Okay, so for the sake of the podcast, I won't do the whole thing, but you can listen back to the previous recordings when I was in Philadelphia, and I preached on the Holy Ghost being female and the positive and the negative and the neutral. And I told the people there, if if the earth don't testify of this, don't believe it. And the day after I returned on the 23rd, an earthquake hit Italy, which means calf in the work of your hands. And the three cities that were damaged severely meant positive, negative, and neutral. So last night at the end of Sukkot, how you say it, I was laying on the floor and I had a vision. And in the vision, another vision from 2001 appeared in this vision. And that was the vision the very first time I saw the bride. And when I saw her, she was sitting on a rock in a field of flowers. And she was laying over her lap and the veil was over her head and she was weeping, it looked like. Well, I saw a white bridge and I thought to myself, why is that beautiful white bridge in the middle of a field of flowers like this? Is it just ornamental? And the minute I thought the question, I was on top of the bridge and I looked down to see if there was anything under it other than flowers and grass. And I heard a trembling stream. And I looked up and I thought, where did that stream come from? It was the tears of the bride. I had created a little stream and it was getting stronger and stronger. The further away it got away from the bridge, the wider it got. Well, all of a sudden I heard a mighty rushing roar like the sound of many waters. But I thought, why couldn't I hear that all go? And if I would have heard it, I wouldn't have been able to hear the little trickling of the creek that was going under the bridge. And the minute or the second that I thought, what is that sound? I was flying over the top of a triple waterfall. And the waterfall was extremely heavy. And as I looked at it, I said, God, what is this? And he said, this is the revelation that will come from the bride. It will be so heavy, not many will be able to receive it. And he said, you see those big boulders that I've placed underneath the waterfall? He said, those are the prophets that will be able to receive this great revelation. And they will take that revelation and they will break it down into smaller waterfalls. But it will still be turbulent waters. It will still be hard to receive because it's going to be so heavy. And as the water got further away from the actual waterfall, it became like the Flathead River. I don't know if you've ever been on the Flathead River, but it's, a, it's famous for whitewater rafting. And there's a, uh, some really big falls, like the Gauntlet's a really big one. And unless you're a professional, you don't want to go down that thing. At certain times of the year, you're not even allowed to unless you have enough um, experience to go down it. So that's what the river looked like, very, very turbulent. And then it got like a like Mississippi maybe, and then less turbulent, less turbulent, and then eventually there was a pool way, way down, as far as my eye could see. It was giant, just beautiful, calm waters, and that there were all nations were in that water, all kinds of children, the old, the young, in between, and there were picnics and celebrations going on, and that was my dream back in 2000, not dream, a vision in 2001, I was actually awake, and I had been praying for all the men and women who had aborted their babies and all the aborted babies, I was laying on the floor crying, and I was crying out for healing of the earth and for all children, no matter how old they were, whether they were in the womb or whether they were grown people. And that's where that vision came from when I was praying. And so last night, 
on the night when the feast of the waters culminated in Sukkot. I'm having this vision, and what happens is I see Jesus. He's got riding boots on, like if you're going to go ride a horse, the tall ones that kind of come up to your knee. And I didn't, I couldn't really make out the rest of his clothes because I couldn't take my eyes off of his boots. And I saw his face, and I saw his boots, and he was washing his face in this water with one hand, but yet kind of where I could see his profile. And I said, Jesus, what are you doing? He said, I'm refreshing myself. But when he said the word refreshing, I knew that he meant I was being comforted. He didn't use the word comforted, but I somehow knew the word refreshing meant I'm being comforted. And I thought to myself, why is that refreshing comforting you? And immediately I knew it was the bride's tears. I knew I recognized the river that he was washing his face in. And so I told him, I said, um, he had fire in his eyes. And I said, that fire in your eyes, I, I want it. I want to look through your, your eyes. And his eyes came in mind. That's when you, Jackie, prophesied that I would have this laser fire coming out of my eyes. And so I told him, I said, my feet are hot. And he said, that's because you walked through the fire. And the minute he said that, I was sitting on the air. And I had a wedding gown. He lifted my gown just to my ankles. We seemed to not get wet. And he washed my feet in the tears of the And as he moved his hands across my feet, glass slippers appeared like Cinderella. Now I was just sitting there reading the Hebrew holiday to coat and there was a link that said the crowned slippers. And so I read it and it says that there's a parable of the rabbis that says Prince Michael or the Archangel Michael was being asked what is this what are these shoes? What is this all about? And he said, it's from, we danced with the scroll. Well, last night after he put the slippers on my feet and I asked him what those were, he said, the reason these are glass slippers is because when you put sand through the fire, it turns to glass. And your soul has been made transparent. And he danced with me. On the shores, but I, I didn't feel like and I thought to myself, why are we dancing? Why is he sending me around when there's so many wounded? Like, I just wanted him to hurry up and get on the horse and come back. I didn't want to dance. But last night, Sukkot, guess what they do when they celebrate the waters? When they, early in the morning, guess what they do? They dance. They dance with the scroll. They dance with the word of God. After they dance with the word of God, the angels come. Because it says that the rabbis believe that the angels can't dance and rejoice with the scroll unless we do. And Michael was the one in last night, Colleen saw Michael the archangel here. Y'all, we can't make this stuff up. And I'm 
was dancing with scrolls, and I had scrolls coming while I was down there. And, and you know that Michael that is that's crazy. That's so crazy. Oh, really? That's the angel over Israel. Oh, and yes. Tuesdays, weddings are on Tuesdays in Israel. Oh. Yesterday was Tuesday. Wow. That the bride. After we danced, he walked me over to a swing that was hanging in a tree. And this was a swing that you could see like three people. But he and I sat on it and he was holding my hand. He was just looking at me. He wasn't talking. It's like he was just kept gazing in my eyes. And I kept thinking like, what is next? Why are you waiting? Why are you waiting so long? Can't you hurry up? And when I said hurry, I heard the word her, Ray, her shining. And I said, have you stood up yet? Because the Bible says he'll stay seated until he returns. I said, have you stood? He said, has your light come? I said, yes. He said, my light is in you shining. That means I have arisen. But I have risen in you. And he told me, when I, I just knew that it's like somehow he's here, but I wanted him to be here like where I could look at him and see the new earth. And I was asking him, what's next? And then the Holy Spirit came up like a woman in a beautiful gown with flowing light hair, like light. And she said something to him, and he got up, and she sat beside me. I said, where is he going? And she showed me he was standing under the waterfall like he was taking a shower, getting ready. And when he stepped out from the, shower, the, the waterfall, her tears had become his robe. And he walked up on the turbulent waters. And he walked all the way down. And I asked him, what is that pool? He said, it's Bethesda. And I said, what is that? He said, be the door that I come through for all people. Like he was asking me, be that pool. Be the pool of Bethesda. Stir the waters, Angel. That all might come in and be healed. So this morning I looked up Bethesda and it meant nation, family, to be healed, to build, to save the whole, the nation. There's so much that I read a while ago. I don't know that I can remember it all, but I was going from scripture to scripture to scripture to scripture. The fact that this holiday started with Yom Kippur and its coat, it says it's a mirror image of Passover to Shabbat, which is when Shabbat is Shabbat. Shabbat. Is that when Pentecost and okay? Yeah. Is that basically are, both of them are marriages? But it said Passover to Shavuot means coming out of slavery, but Yom Kippur to to Sukkot means the marriage. It meant conception of the marriage. It meant consummation. And I talked about this morning going from being a little girl and growing up getting married, and then after the end of that celebration. Guess what the Hebrew people do? They start over at Genesis 1-1. What did I teach on this morning? In the beginning, 
in the duality, God created the olive and the bed, the heavens and the earth, the beginning and the completion. And it says, and the reason God created all things in duality is so that we would see he's good. Now, how would we know? Could humans orchestrate that that perfectly? It's not possible. So how is that happening? Has he spoken? Shall it not be? In Numbers 23, it doesn't say has he spoken. It actually says has he thought it? And shall it not be? Because a man thinks so is he. Whatever you believe you have. You guys, we, in our childhood, we've spoken the word of God because that's what we know to do. And I'm not criticizing. Please hear me. But if we just speak the word because we've heard it and we found it and we discovered it and we saw it and we're looking for a word to apply to our condition, we're missing the mark. God wants you to hear it in your ear and shout it on the rooftop the minute you hear it. That's what's going to change the world. So I look up and see if there's any news going on. And just now there was a twin earthquake in Italy. Why? Because I talked also about the twin and the two becoming one. And so that two became one in the place that used to be the work of the hands. See, the first set of commandments that came down had to die. They broke. Moses, Moses threw them down and broke them. But the second set of commandments represented restoration and not just obedience or coming out of slavery, but it represents intimacy, being married. It goes beyond obedience. See, as a child, I obey, but not as a bride. As a bride, I know his heart, and the things that I do have nothing to do with me trying to do it right or obey God or even doing things so that I can be blessed. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with my heart and his heart is so one that I do what I do because I'm in love, because I'm intimate, because I'm, if you want to call me a slave, then you're a love slave. I'm a slave to his love. I can't turn away from it. Why? Because I've tasted it. When you taste living waters, when you drink of living waters, you can't go back. What do you tell the woman of the well? You would have asked me. I believe in you living waters and you would have never, let me say that again, never thirst again. See, if we're still thirsting, looking, begging, pleading, even seeking, it's because we hadn't found. Because once you find it, once you taste it, there is no going back. You can't unstrike a match. You can't undrink a drink. And when you taste of this kind of love that I'm telling you about, where the two become one, you can't be shaken. You can't be moved. Why? Because everything that can be shaken has already been shaken. When the seed goes into the dark place, that's where it's supposed to go. 
poor husband means farmer, one who farms the land, one who farms the ground. Are we not made of dust? Is the, is the moon not made of dust? She has no light of her own. She only reflects the light of the sun. I have no light of my own. Do you know I can't even be kind? I can't be kind. I can't be patient. I can't be long-suffering. I can't be meek. I can't be gentle. I can't be any of those things. But that word went in me, and when I tried to do it, and I realized I can't get died, and when I reckoned and I saw and I was understanding that the word in me died, that was germination. That was the beginning of light shining out of me. Psalm of Solomon, she says, I'm dark. He says, yes, but lovely. See, the earth is supposed to be dense. It's supposed to be dark. It's not supposed to know. See, I don't know. I need the spirit of God. I need the spirit of wisdom. I need the spirit of understanding. I can't, I, I don't, I'm not understanding. I'm one with it. But I must first understand in order to be one with something that I'm the soil that receives the word. And you guys, the, the celebration, what happened to Lynn? Lynn was in the shower and she heard, Hoppa! And then she heard, Hoppa! Didn't even know what it meant. He looked it up and saw that it meant tent or covering. And it puts a cover in your house. And I went, oh my gosh, the piece of tabernacles, they're celebrating. She didn't even know that she was celebrating. See, a house is empty until the people are in it. And my house is a covering. It's a living soul. It did, I don't have a soul, you guys. I didn't get one. I am a living soul. All that means is I am a receiver. It means carnivore. It means one who receives. It's just like soil. Why would I not be a receiver if I was made out of soil? That's all it means. And so, what is the Spirit? Jesus is the life-giving Spirit who was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I'm that tabernacle that He dwells in. I'm the living soul that the life-giving Spirit has married. And now the life that I live is not me that live, but it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. And the light that shines out of me is not me. The wisdom that comes out of me is not me. Any knowledge that comes out of me is not me. Any kindness, any gentleness, any long-suffering, any patience, any meekness, any of those things that come out of me, it's not me. It's not even me obeying or being good. It is the fruit that is manifested because the vine is in me and I am but a branch. A branch doesn't hang fruit. The vine does. Just fall off. Because God wants us to know that He's good. He's a good God. 
And he's loving God. Jesus said, don't call me good. There's none good but my father. Let me translate. He said, don't call me the giver. There's only one giver, and that's my father. But guess what happens? The moment Jesus received from his father, he became a giver. And he said, now whatever you saw me do, you do. And teach others to do. He's saying, be a receiver. And receive me, the living word. Remember he used him for, for, for searching the scriptures? He said, you search the scriptures for them, you think you find eternal life. And I said, yes, Jesus, you did tell them that. And he said, actually, you do the same thing. I didn't like that. I didn't like that I was doing the same thing. But I had to face the truth or stay in my delusion. Face the truth or stay in my delusion. Truth don't feel good or we wouldn't run from it. See, can you, if Jesus is the truth, right? And if Jesus was standing in front of you, would you run from it? Why does the Word of God then say, if you, because you love not the truth, I gave you over to a strong delusion? The implied truth that comes with that is that we didn't love the truth. Why would we not love truth? Because it was piercing us. Because light pierces darkness. That's what it does. That's the nature. And if you look up the word bride, it means to be pierced. If you look at the anatomy of a woman, and you look at the anatomy of a man, which one's pierced? The female. See, we're supposed to be pierced. Deuteronomy 28 says, choose piercing or vilify me. Now you may have heard it transferred. I set before you life and death. Choose life. It says in the Hebrew, I set before you piercing, cutting, or vilification. And I said, what does that mean? Piercing or vilification? How can piercing be good? Because darkness without a piercing of light has no understanding. So be pierced, not from your enemy, whatever you perceive that to be. Be pierced, not from something that's against you, whatever you perceive that to be. Receive all of your piercing from Christ. If he's the head and he was pierced and we're the body, can the head be pierced without the body? What part of his body was pierced? The head, the hands, the feet, and the side. And his heart exploded. Who broke the bread at the Last Supper? Jesus broke it. God himself broke the bread. Unleavened bread, by the way. That means the bread that had not yet ascended. See, there are four things during the Feast of Tabernacles that we just celebrated. It's called four kinds or four mysteries. The Bible says Solomon didn't know what they were. He gave three, which is a little mystery unto him. Unleavened bread. The bitter herbs and Passover lamb. Seven things Solomon didn't understand. And last year in Tempe, Arizona, during the four days before the Feast of Tabernacles, 
all four of those four kinds came to me. And I ate them or put them on my body. And God gave me the revelation. Citron means citrus. It means to sit and trust. Willow. It means a sword that pierces. Myrtle. It means to weep bitterly. And date palm. It means to receive the appointed time of peace. And be empty hand. How did, how did those things just show up in my life? The house I stayed in had all citrus trees in the back and pomegranates and olive trees and willow. I had with me brand new bottles of willow and, and myrrh oil. And a lady from Indonesia who happens to be an American now, she brought me date palm fruit on the day I was supposed to wait with.
I got you, or you somehow being punished. Or maybe you got punished in times past, then you repented, you came to God, and now you're trying to get blessed. No, you cannot be cursed. Because I don't care if Balak sells everything and gives Balaam all his silver and all his riches and all his wealth. Balak cannot pay Balaam enough to curse God's people. Because what God has blessed, Balaam couldn't curse it. Balaam means failure and Balaam means waste. Here in New York means New Earth. In Chautauqua, which means risen body. I left Ohio, actually I left Louisiana, which means love and grace come together. And I landed in Cleveland, Ohio. And Jesus leaves his mother and father and cleaves to something called dust, which is this land and borders. And Cleveland is in the World Series right now. Right. I left Ohio, which means eyeballs, my own perception, and I went through Pennsylvania, which means pinnacle or head. And I passed by Lake Erie, which means fear. There were five great lakes. Do you know that five great lakes run along Highway or I-21, which is three measures of seven? And Superior, Heron, Michigan, Erie, and Ontario make up 21% of the Earth's water. And at the end of those lakes, at Niagara Falls, Ontario, which means beautiful, and Erie, which means fear, meet, and create what's called in America the bridal veil. So you see, fear runs up through the brain, through the pinnacle, through the head. And how is it overcome? It's overcome by beauty. I'm dark, yes, but beautiful. He calls her my beauty. Be you complete in all. Be who you are. Be the receiver that I created you to be. That is beautiful. It's already beautiful. God's not trying to make you beautiful. God's not trying to fix you. He didn't mess you up. He's not trying to get you to be something that you're not already. Has He spoken it and not, and not me? So then we come through Pennsylvania into New York. Did we pass through Buffalo or no? I just went to Buffalo last year. We're in the fall. And we call that beautiful. But when man fell, people think that's not beautiful. Man is seed. God is the farmer. He put his seed in the earth. It's called to fall. We drop the seed in the soil on purpose. 
We let it fall into ground. Why? Unless the grain of wheat fall into the ground and die. See, God knew when he put the tree they were going to eat and die. See, when he didn't put them in a deep sleep before they died, and it never says he woke them up. But he said, let's put him out of the garden. We used to eat from this tree. And it literally says, and, gosh, I have to remember what it says. We used to eat from the tree. If I'm not mistaken, it means to be eternally separated. And like not wake up. Not be resurrected. So God didn't put him out of the garden to punish him. He put him out of the garden so they could be manifested sons. And after they manifest eternal life. See, we don't want to eat from that while we're still in this state of not maturity. Oh, man, I thought, like, I somehow just thought, like, God was not paying close attention. I asked God, why'd you put that tree there? Why'd you make the devil? Why'd you let this happen? As if God somehow was not as smart as me. As if I could think bigger than God. You thought that. You thought, God, why'd you do that? But yeah, we don't think twice about a farmer who puts seed in the ground so that. Do we? And we don't think twice about that outside shell falling off and dividing and dying. Why? Because we understand that division is multiplication. You can't have one without the other. We understand that when that seed dies, it's only harvest and waiting. We understand in the natural how seeds work. Take that and apply it to the eternal. Don't look at what you can't see. What you can't see is temporary. Look at what you cannot see, because what you cannot see is eternal. And then how do you see what you cannot see? Romans 1 says everything that is created reveals that which is unseen. So see, that's why I'm talking to you about the kind of seed that you can see. If I teach you about the kind of seed that you can see, then you can understand the heavenly seed that you can't see, which is the spoken word. And if we understand it as humans in this natural earthly realm that you're supposed to put a seed in the ground and cover it up, what makes us think that God shouldn't breathe the breath of life into this dirt? Because see, seed is carried on the wind. How is that? Let me teach that to you. My voice is coming from my lungs, but it's as a result of what's in my heart. For I have the abundance of the heart, the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what is my, my words carried on? The wind. Without wind, there is no word. The Holy Ghost is the wind. And Jesus is the word. And God is the giver of the word. Who did God give the word to? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the wind. You see how you can't separate the two? You can't separate my word from my wind. But my heart gave the word to the wind, and the wind gave it to my flesh, and my flesh spoke it out. And Jesus 
said, I don't say anything unless I hear my father say it. Can you see the fullness of the giver and the receiver becomes the giver and the receiver becomes the giver and the receiver producing after its own kind? Well, we've seen all sorts of things here. I think um, Jackie saw things being pinned with a quill, a feather pin. I said, God, why should you see it with a feather? He said, didn't I tell you feather means to cover, cover means mystery? They were pinning mysteries. God gave me dominion over the birds of the air. That means he gave me dominion over all mystery. Long time ago, I said, long time, you can't, you can't know everything. Well, that's not what my Bible says. The Bible says that the Holy Ghost shall reveal all things unto me. That means I have dominion over mysteries. I can go to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, will you show me what this is? Will you teach me all things? See, every time I have a wonder, if I miss it, that's sin. I wonder, I wonder what the Godhead is. Don't miss it, Angela. Okay, God, where is it? It's in all things, Angela. Why don't you just tell me? And rob me of discovery? Rob me of being a receiver? No, being a receiver is beautiful. It means being a woman. That's what being a receiver means. And we've rejected the word. What word? That we're the receiver. That we're a living soul. We somehow try to make the living soul a horrible thing that needs to be get rid of because in Ephesians it tells us to put off the old man. If you go study it, it does not mean make it go away. It means bow and be the weaker of the two. It means be the one that you don't rely on. It means be the receiver. It means be the female. Put off your old man means be the it means bow. It means surrender. It means to not trust it in its own self. Well, I used to trust in my own self. I used to think that God could tell me what to do and I could do it. Just like the end of the wilderness. Just tell me what to do, I'll do it. Do you know Cain has an eye in the middle of it? It's the word can with an eye. I can. And he hated Abel. And God said, if you just ask, I would have made you Abel. It was the work of his hands. Even the work of his hands. He, he, do you know you can't make a seed grow? See, the, giving God the work of your hands don't really cost you anything but sweat. But giving God a little baby He wants your heart and his heart to be so one. You can't tell one from the other. 
you can't tell the difference between your suffering and Christ. You can't tell the difference between your rejection and His. You can't tell the difference between His betrayal and yours. You can't tell the difference between you being falsely accused and Him being falsely accused. Why? Because the pain is exact. Because your heart and His heart have become so one, united. Why? Because you met Him there. You remember him in your sorrow and suffering. He said, this is my body. Whose body Christ you are? I am. And he broke his body. That means he tore it and broke it. He said, can you eat it from my hands? Can you receive it from me? And when you do receive it from me, will you remember me? Will you, will you meet me in the garden? I'll be there waiting for you. I used to wonder what it means in Hebrews. When you sin willingly, it puts Jesus back on the cross. What is that? I know now. Why? Because I wondered and I didn't miss it. How did I not miss it? Because he is wonderful. And because he's full of wonder, he gives me some. How often? As often as I ask. So what, what does it mean to sin willingly? It means to miss the mark on purpose. It means to turn away from the flag, to turn away from the sign, the wonder, the monument, the calculation. Why would we turn away from a sign or a wonder? Here it is. I wonder how God could love me and give me to a mama that would do that. That's a wonder. And that's a painful wonder, so I guess we do. We turn away from it. When you willingly turn away from that wonder, you put Christ back on the cross. What does that mean? That means he goes back into the room of remembrance and he waits for you there because if you're hurting and feeling a rejection of your father or your mother, in the garden, guess what he felt? Alone. He cried out to God. So hard he sweat blood. He said, Father, please. You ever cry and beg God for something and the answer was no? See, that's where it, when you're in that desperation, crying out, and God's telling you, you know, Jesus is in the garden waiting for you. If you're being betrayed, he's being kissed by Judas all over again. If you're being falsely accused, he's standing before Pontius Pilate waiting for you to be in there. If you're being beaten with, by words or by abuse, and you can't open your mouth and your mind's tormenting you, he's in the city square with no clothes on, with his beard being plucked. And no angels rescuing him either. And when your weight is so heavy, you feel like you can't carry it, you just keep stumbling, and your mind is tormenting you, he's walking the rocks of Golgotha barefoot, with no flesh on his back, and a cross on his shoulders, and you stumble and fall in every time you do. Why? At least you suffer alone. That's why. He's waiting for you there. And when you can't get off and you become everything you judge, and you can't quit judging and you keep becoming what you judged your mother for, or what you judged your sister for, or what you judged your husband for, and you just keep becoming everything you judge, and you can't quit judging, he's nailed on the cross just like you, but you can't get off the curse either. And when you can't breathe, he can't breathe. And when you cry out, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? He's on the cross crying, waiting for you. Why? Because you missed the wonder. You ran from it. How do you run from it? Prayer. Putting on 
God and praise to the Spirit of heaviness. Eating, drinking, sleeping, escaping, going past your feelings and giving yourself over to all manner of lasciviousness. Ephesians chapter 4. So what's the answer? Don't go past your feelings. And every feeling that you have, eat that bread. Drink that cup. But if you drink it only in remembrance of yourself, you'll become weak, sick, and mess up sleep. And if you'll drink it, remember it's a heaven of the word remembrance means. It means husband. Do you know what the word wife means? It means appointed time. The word appoint means a point. It means a time of piercing. Remember me when you're being pierced. And if I'm your husband, who's piercing you? Why would God pierce us? Why would Jesus want us to go through those things? not that he wanted you to go through that. He knows that in order for something to live, it's got to die. And he knows that in order to see something, you've got to have darkness. He understands how things make after its own kind. So he's making you after his own kind. He's making you immortal. He's unveiling the manifested sons of God in you. He's unveiling the marriage that's already in you. What is that marriage? Your living soul with His life-giving spirit. They need to marry each other. That's the two becoming one and all things are possible by the Spirit, by the Holy Ghost. My heart is so heavy sometimes because we have the answers. Have in our mouth and our lips say, Lord, Lord, but our hearts are so far, Father. Our emotions are so far. You know, if we can't look in the mirror and know our own heart, how can we expect our husbands to? And if our own husbands can't know our heart, how can we, if we can see each other, we can't do that with each how can we do that with somebody we can't see? sons of man would, would wrestle as hard with their own heart to get inside the kingdom of God inside them and they would deal with their own emotions as hard as we wrestle against the devil we change the whole earth in a day why because love can't fail the frequency of love is stronger than the frequency of fear how do I know go into a dark room and strike a match I'll show you the difference between darkness and light. We're afraid of darkness, and that's what we are. We are the void. See, dark doesn't mean everything we think it means receiver. Receive her. Will you receive her? Oh, shall we remain deceived of all? Shall you remain deceived? Or demand? Or shall we be received and revealed all? Revealed is revealed all. Jesus is revelation. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would give us the spirit of revelation, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of understanding, and that you would truly wake us up and show us our identity, that we are the living souls, that you breathe your breath into and made us a receiver, that we might receive your son and manifest as the married bride of Christ in this earth. As we stand in New York, the new earth, I ask that you would manifest a new earth. As we stand in Chicago, I ask that you would manifest the risen body. And as we celebrate the waters, I ask that you would manifest the latter rain. The latter rain, Father. Angels, take note and write this down and declare it in the heavens and the earth. Father, I thank you that the earth is declaring even now in, in Italy the truth that is going forth. Father, I pray for the people there. Lord, our hearts break as they run in terror, as their ground shakes beneath them. Father, your word says in the last days that everything that can be shaken shall be shaken, and that we uh, earthquakes in diverse places. Father, I just thank you that you're merciful, and that every person that died in those earthquakes today, that you were with them, and that you comforted them, and you lifted their spirit from their body as it fell. God, I ask for comfort for the families. And I say, Lord Jesus, I've seen you refresh yourself in tears. And I've seen your bad moves. And I say, come quickly. Come quickly and bring peace on earth and goodwill toward men. The whole earth, Father, all nations, every tribe, every tongue. Past, present, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask for your will that not one perish. And I say, Father, if you do what you want to with that prayer, I pray with all my heart. And I know that according to the written word, that's impossible for the father of a daughter of Abraham. And we don't believe the impossible. We believe the impossible. We believe the impossible. It was accounted to Abraham for righteousness because he believed the impossible. So God, I just ask for the impossible. And you know how to figure that out. Jesus walked on water. He walked through walls. He transcends space and time. He's all things. Love can't fail. Your arm is not short and your mind is not dim. And you are not indifferent. And you are a good God. Father, I declare to the heavens and to the earth that we have seen your goodness and you are a good God and there is none good but you. And we say thank you. We celebrate and we dance with the Torah. We dance with you, Jesus, and our glass slippers. And we thank the Archangel Michael, the messenger of duality, that this revelation might come to earth and that our eyes be open. Arise and shine, my beloved, for your light truly is come.